Welcome to Mouse Geek Radio, where your hosts from two coasts, Mallory and Scott, embrace their inner mouse geekdom with you. Welcome to episode 5 of Mouse Geek Radio for the week of July 31st, 2017. I am your host, Scotty Barrett, here with my co-host, Mallory O'Brien. Mallory, how are you tonight? I am doing really well. I am on the home stretch of my countdown to West Coast trip, and I am so incredibly pumped. Cannot wait <laughs> to step off the plane and bolt to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> I am so pumped for you. It's going to be... Thank you. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful out here, too, when you come, I think. I think the weather's going to be perfect so. for you. Anyway, so today, uh, you know, recently they had the D23 event uh, where Disney announced uh, many new attractions, uh, both in Disneyland and Disney World. And uh, unfortunately, they also announced some closures of, of certain things. Um uh, which some people are, you know, some are upset about, some are happy about. It's a lot of mixed feelings out there. But tonight, uh, we're not going to talk about the new stuff. We're going to talk about uh, our favorite extinct or soon-to-be extinct attractions from either coast. Uh, things that, you know, we may be attached to or just absolutely love. I gotta say, I'm kind of bummed about some of these. But at the same time, I'm excited for us to talk about them so that we can reminisce on the exciting times that we had while we were experiencing these attractions and i think i will most likely focus on walt disney world attractions you'll be our disneyland expert and focus on those attractions so i want to hear what do you have your for your first one disneyland extinct attraction that you miss and that you hold dearly in your heart uh, well okay uh, hold dearly in my heart's probably a little little strong on this one but uh <laughs> that's a stretch <laughs> it's uh it's definitely something i remember as a kid and uh you know i love absolutely love the soundtrack too and this is adventures through inner space so th this was an attraction that opened in tomorrowland in 1967 uh closed in 1986 um, and it ran, you know, sort of an Omnimover, Haunted Mansion-style buggy uh, through the world of molecules and atoms. Um, it was it was pretty cool. So this, the thing I hold dear to it is the soundtrack. The soundtrack, you know, is, is very catchy. Uh, it's, it's a great tune. I know everyone's heard it. I think we've actually played it on our podcast and when the podcast starts up. Um, it's our intro. It is our we intro. love it. Um, you know, this ride was sponsored by Monsanto. Now your adventure through inner space has begun. Through Monsanto's mighty microscope, you will travel into the incredible universe found within a tiny fragment of a snowflake. I highly recommend uh, on YouTube going to the Disney uh, History Institute YouTube channel, and they've got a great 10-minute sort of mini documentary on this ride uh, that explains, it has some photos of it being built, explains what it was all about, and and why it came to be, which is really neat. Um, but the one thing I remember as a kid that used to just kind of 
freak me out, but also uh, make me really interested was the fact that your buggy would go into this giant sort of microscope looking machine to start the ride and they'd go off into the building and whatnot. But as a kid, I didn't need to see that because what happens is you see him come in and then coming out the other end, you see really, really small buggies that obviously were models. But as a kid, I had no idea they were models. So I thought for real <laughs> at like seven years old that people were actually being shrunken down and it freaked me out yet intrigued me so much. It's a very Willy Wonka moment. <laughs> very much so, yeah. It was. I can still remember the feeling of going, oh my gosh, and just watching these things go by as I'm waiting in the queue going, that's going to be me, that's going to be me, it's just freaky. And then you get in the ride and you supposedly shrink down and you're shot into a giant snowflake and you see the atoms and the molecules of, of all these different things. And, you, you know, as a, as a seven-year-old with an imagination, I believed, yeah, man, they, they shrunk me down. It's like, uh, you know, it was cool. It was really cool. And that, I mean, that was so inexpensive for them to do that with the smaller buggies. And then all the kids are going, oh, crap, here it comes. Exactly. We are all going to shrink. Look at that. <laughs> it was Disney. How are we going to fit in that? Exactly. It's, you know, Disney magic, of course. I love it. So that, that was my, uh, yeah, my first one that I kind of came up with here in Disneyland. And I'm curious what, uh, what you got uh, from down there in Florida. This one happened at the D23 event, the announcement happened. Well, they didn't ever explicitly state it. <laughs> they announced the addition of a new Mickey-themed attraction in Disney's Hollywood Studios. They didn't ever explicitly state where it was going <laughs> until the day after all the news outlets were, um, they knew it was going to replace the great movie ride. This is something that you talked about on your trip report how you enjoyed that attraction. You know, I enjoyed that attraction as yeah. well. It was an opening day attraction when Disney's MGM Studios at the time opened on May 1st in 89. And it will be closing its doors on August 13th, coming up in just a couple of weeks. So sad. And I must say, yeah, I'm quite bummed about this one. I have a lot of fond memories. That's to me the icon of the park and and I still I think that the Chinese theater will remain uh, this the facade will remain because it is the the weenie the icon of Disney's Hollywood Studios but I have so many great memories of going through that attraction every time we visited so as a child then as an adult and then bringing my daughter on that ride and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sad to see that one go. I am very excited about what's replacing it. I think it's gonna be incredible. I just wish they could have just put that in a little different area. Maybe just updated great movie great movie right? <laughs> <laughs> Given that a little update and then scooted the the Mickey attraction over to, in another location. Can we just can we do both? But no, I get it. I understand why. Yeah, what's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of space there, but I guess uh, the question I have is how are you gonna break it to your daughter that this is no longer gonna be there? Well, she's young enough to not know. So, <laughs> what was your favorite? She's not even three. <laughs> What's your favorite scene in the movie, or in the well, in the great movie ride? Well, we got to go with the finale scene. Um, gotta love Wizard of Oz scene because I adore the Wicked Witch animatronic. She was the first of of her kind in that class of audio animatronics, so her movements were very fluid. 
And I really, I always enjoyed seeing that. And <laughs> I love hearing the cast member try to interact with the Wicked Witch. And they had to spit out that line really fast to make sure they, the witch didn't interrupt them. <laughs> Be gone or I'll have to throw a house on you. It was always really They can see you fast. sitting there anxiously. Are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? <laughs> What's yours? You have to tell me that. Oh, it's also good. Um, I, you know, honestly, I like the scene where they act in the, you know, the, 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 the tram operator goes up on the temple and grabs the the gem and turns oh the indie the indie yeah, I love that theme I love that that scene um, always scares my my youngest kid even when she knows it's coming it still scares her uh, but she likes it and the alien scene made me I mean we're never gonna get to hear this is alien you're with Sigourney Weaver <laughs> exactly and you see Which her standing I, there and... I really feel like uh, the Finding Dory movie was an homage to the great movie ride in my mind. Have you seen Finding Dory? Uh, yes, we have. We like it. It's interesting. You know how uh, Sigourney Weaver is the narrator at the Jewel of Morro Bay? Oh, yeah. We always laugh at that. And Yeah, and, the, and all the characters are calling her Sigourney Weaver. Like, oh, yeah, I hear you, Sigourney Weaver. It always makes me think of the great movie ride. When the narrator says you are with Sigourney Weaver, you may have touched on something there. There may be inspiration there. That that's that's great. Now that I see it from your point of view, I haven't thought of that. That's. I have no idea if there's any connection there, but in my mind, that's what it always made me think of. So have a drink for a great movie ride on August thirteenth, everyone. All right, pour a little champagne out for it. <laughs> your next one. All right, so. Uh, at D23, they announced uh, this wonderful new sort of transportation mode called the Skyliner, which is uh, very similar to one of my favorite attractions as a kid at Disneyland, the Disneyland Skyway. Uh, the Skyway at Disneyland, uh, you know, it took us from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland. And as a kid, I loved sort of being above all the buildings. That was really cool to me. It was I kind of envisioned myself looking down at a map, a real-life map of Disneyland, uh, where you could see... You know, the division of, of certain lands and buildings and how it all kind of worked together. And, uh, you know, some may say that, oh, that kind of spoils some of the magic because you can see kind of the shim work and all that. But to me, it was it was awesome. Um, and then, you know, going through Matterhorn Mountain, I mean, come on, especially at nighttime, it's... Oh, you go through there. You hear the. You got to go through there. It, so yeah, so the the Skyway would uh, on the Fantasyland side there is a, a sort of a, a Swedish Alpine building over by uh, the path to Frontierland and up right. near Casey Jr. You'd enter there and you'd get on and you'd go over Fantasyland and through Matterhorn Mountain towards Tomorrowland, and it was awesome so they've they filled in those holes in the mountain unfortunately but you'd go through there and if you were lucky you would go right above at the same time you know one of the roller coaster cars is going by and you can look down on the people if you hear the abominable snowman yelling inside it was a wonderful experience when you got to that point of the attraction and at nighttime it was all lit up it was from what i remember it was very blue inside um and you'd go straight on through and then over to Tomorrowland and you'd get off you'd get off at the uh, the building there over by Autopia where they have uh, currently the bathrooms in the back up above there is where the where it would end and uh, it was awesome um, you know it was it was kind of a rush you know being being a kid who was kind of afraid of heights it was it was the thing to do I guess to, to sort of get past that fear um, 
it was always kind of a rush getting on and getting off because these things never stopped. It was very omnimover-like. They'd come into the building and the people inside would have to get off. At the same time, you'd have to get on as this thing's swinging around sort of a half circle to make its way back out the building. And as you're jumping on, I can remember the cast members slamming the door shut and kind of pushing you off and off you go. And if, <laughs> I always wondered what would happen if you didn't do it fast enough, right? Would you just kind of hang there off the thing? Would you fall out? I mean, I, you know. <laughs> they would turn it off. Like, I imagine it'd be just like a gondola ski lift situation. <laughs> sure. But, you know, as a kid, it was like, it was exciting. It's like, okay, it's our turn. It's our turn. It's our turn. Okay, hurry, hurry, hurry. And I'd always go with my, I'd always go with my older brother. So it was like, it was, it was exciting. It's quiet up there. It's, you know, it's not a lot of hustle and bustle. And uh, I don't know. I miss it. It was nice. All right. There's a running theme on my list. And the first three attractions that I have on my list are all in Disney's Hollywood Studios, a.k.a. MGM. And I'm excited about what things are to come and to bring it back to life. But I really enjoyed the original purpose for that park, which was to be like a working film slash animation studio. I thought that was very cool. One of the things that really bummed me out was the closure of the Streets of America and... Along with that, the Osborne Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights. Are you familiar with this? That's a good one. I've seen them twice, once with a friend and once with my family. Oh, they were gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of the Streets of America is just cool to me in general. I get it that it was a lot of real estate to uh, basically not use <laughs> during the majority of the year, but uh, my husband and I especially loved walking through there because it wasn't ever very crowded <laughs> during the day. And they had just really neat sounds and smells. And it just, uh, it really felt like you were in a, a little city. And they used all the cool uh, forced perspective in the backdrops. So once you walked into that section of the park, it felt like you were in a different world. You didn't see the rest of the park. And then, of course, at Christmas time, it was transformed into the Osborne family spectacle of Dancing Lights. And they played a loop of awesome Christmas music in the evenings. And the lights were just gorgeous. They had the, you know, faux snow coming down, the, the suds coming down. We have just the neatest pictures in there. And it, to this day, there are some... Uh, Christmas songs or holiday songs that when I hear them, I think of a time that I was at visiting the Osborne Lights. And it was just, it was very special. And I mean, you, not, there was nothing like it. I'd, I'd never, I've never seen that many lights at that scale with uh, the really beautiful, crisp LEDs. Loved how, of course, they made them dance with the music. So I very much miss that. I hope some sort of light show will come back to Walt Disney World. I don't know where it'll be, but I want it back because that was so cool. It was like one of my favorite things about the holidays at Walt Disney World. <laughs> you know, I, I agree. Having only seen it a couple of times, it made a big impression on us. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very unique sort of experience because they don't really have, you know, a light show like that anywhere else in the parks. I mean, they've got, you know, lights put up for, for the holidays and whatnot, but nothing as spectacular as that show was. And um, it was definitely an experience, and I'm, I'm really glad we had a chance to see it at least once with the family. Uh, that's a good pick. That's a good one. What do you got next? 
Well, as I wipe away my tears here of uh, you know, the Osborne <laughs> lights and the sadness. Um... It's not supposed to be a sad episode. <laughs> it's supposed to be a nostalgic episode, right? Well, yeah, this is really nostalgic because all of mine are super old and things that I remember as a kid. But, you know, not a lot's changed uh, in Disneyland that has made me want to think of attractions. But uh, this is less of attraction and more of a, a bigger area. Um, you know, this is uh, bear country. Bear country was something I remember as a kid a lot. Uh, when I was younger, I used to, I used to uh, take coloring books. Disney, Disney. My parents used to find me Disneyland coloring books, and I used to rip out the pages and I would trace, trace them as if I were trying to draw them, and and then I'd color them in and I'd put them all over my wall and stuff. And the ones that I loved doing the most were the country bears. Uh, I just thought they were just really neat and uh, full of character, and I don't know. I just I had an attraction to the country bears, and uh, this made me think of bear country. Um, you know, when you walk in, I can remember hearing, you know, I think it was Rufus snoring somewhere. Uh, you don't know where, but you, you hear the sounds of the country bears uh, as you walk into bear country. Um, and then obviously, you know, the bear country jamboree, which... Uh, I was really bummed when that got removed from Disneyland uh, because I didn't know when I'd ever get out to Disney World. And it was, what, almost 20 years, I think, uh, between times I saw the Country Bear Jamboree. I love that attraction. You know, I have fond memories of of watching it with my family, specifically my grandma, and then her and I trying to uh, mimic the songs of the bears with their voices, (laughs) uh, which I was really horrible at, but always made people laugh. So I continued to do it. Um, what do you love about that show? Is I'm curious about. Uh, I love the comedy of it. Um, for example, when Big Al comes out and starts singing his his, his just dreadful song, to me that's funny. <laughs> you know, blood on the saddle. Yeah. I mean, that's just good old fashioned fun. And now, as an older, you know, as an adult, it's it's nostalgia to me. It's sort of a connection to the Disneyland of the past that I remember and that a lot of people hold on to, hold, you know, connection to, um, you know, the classics, the things that, you know, either Walt had influence on or was directly involved with. Um, and, you know, you think of those things and it's just, there's a different feel there than some of the more modern attractions or shows. Um, I feel like you need to come to Dollywood. Yeah. It's like country bear jamboree all day long. Oh my God. <laughs> I would be in heaven. I, I would absolutely be. Maybe I should. I, I'll have to make a trip out there. You um, should. Hollywood's kind of awesome. You know, and the other part of Bear Country that I that I, I remember that I loved was the Mile Long Bar, which is now, you know, the, the poo shop with the treats and whatnot. But I remember, again, as a kid, just, you know, they had mirrors set up on the left and right side of the bars. And so when you look either way, it looks like it went on forever. And to me, uh, that was an amazing effect as a kid. I was like, oh, my gosh, it looks huge. How do they do that? I couldn't figure it out, you know, even though the mirrors were obviously right there. But uh, um, that was that was really cool. I, I kind of missed that. And I think about that every time I go down there and I grab a treat. It's sort of a, a family tradition now. We go down there, we ride the adventures of Winnie the Pooh and get out and we, you know, go grab a treat. And I always think, ah, oh, this used to be the mile long part. Do you hit Country Rare Jamboree when you go to Walt Disney World or do you not care? Oh, we do. Every time I go. All right. What do you got? Uh, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? My, my, uh, my third one, like I said, running theme here, uh, Hollywood Studios. This one is not technically closed yet. And I don't even know if they've announced for sure that it's completely closed. But everything that I loved about it isn't even there anymore. So <laughs> that's what I was going to talk about. And that is Walt Disney's One Man's Dream. Which is a an interactive gallery inside Disney's Hollywood Studios that is 
a tribute to Walt Disney, the man. And there are several artifacts. And I haven't been there in a couple of years because uh, last time it was closed for a refurbishment and they've removed a lot of the artifacts that were inside and they've gone out to the Walt Disney Family Museum, which I obviously need to visit. Have you been there? Oh, yeah. It's a great place. It's a full-day experience, uh, though. Okay. I got to do that. Uh, because I'm sure one man's dream is, you know, like a tiny fart of that. It really is. But. I mean, you want the full-on <laughs> Walt Disney experience. You, yeah, you hit the museum, and you'll learn uh, everything from the type of toothpaste you used as a kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I, I love one man's dream it is well slash was a great place to go inside cool off take a look at some of the really cool props like the multiplane camera see some neat um junkets from the wonderful world of disney i really enjoyed seeing the abe lincoln animatronic that was you got to see the guts of it <laughs> from the waist down and they would usually have some either maquettes or models of upcoming attractions uh, in Disney parks all over the world. Kind of like the Blue Sky Cellar does mm-hmm. in DCA. I, I really love miniatures. Like, I think that's why I love Storybook Land and Casey Jr. so much. Because I think miniatures are the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so maybe that's why I love One Man's Dream so much. Is because they usually have some really awesome miniatures in there. Like, um, I love seeing ride layouts. And there is a Peter Pan layout inside that. And then, of course, at the end, they have the uh, film that's narrated by Julie Andrews. And... I just think learning about Walt Disney the man is just so cool. It's so neat to hear about how this one dude who just had some big dreams was able to make an empire. I think you're right on. It's it's great sort of seeing what he what he's about and where he came from and especially, you know, uh, connecting that to the influences you see in the parks, uh, the main streets and the trains and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can really see, yeah, the passion and, and what he put into it. Oh, and I love his speaking voice. I love his accent and the way he says certain words. Like he doesn't say story. He says story. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I love that. And hearing him tell this, tell the story of, you know, every Saturday was daddy's day. Like, <laughs> oh, love it. I read, I read, um, I read an interview and I don't remember who it was with. It was, this is years ago now, but the one thing I took away from it was they had mentioned he could talk to anybody, no matter how, shy they were afraid they were rambunctious whatever he had a way of talking to people that would make them instantly feel at ease and as if they were talking to a grandfather and they could tell you tell them anything and i think you're right he's uncle walt that's right he is uncle walt straight up and that makes me think of in tommy boy when he says (laughs) david spade's character says your dad could sell packets of ketchup to a woman in white gloves (laughs) you know what i'm talking about (laughs) i do i love that you brought that reference up (laughs) <laughs> that's what it makes that's like that's what Walt Disney could do absolutely absolutely. he could sell me anything <laughs> alright give me your next one back to me so anyone who goes to Disneyland uh, these days knows that uh uh, one sort of, at least in my eyes, blight uh, on the, the the sort of walking into Tomorrowland is the Astro Orbiters. 
Now, the Astro Orbiters used to be the uh, Disney rocket, Disneyland rocket jets, which were farther back in Tomorrowland and up above uh, the old people mover loading area. Aw, cool. It was really cool. It was very similar to what's at the Magic Kingdom. You know, they were white right. rockets. They had the big USA on the rocket. They were, you know, they look like real NASA rocket ships that you flo- flew around in and you're, you're above Tomorrowland. And um, I, I miss those. I, I did them a few times as a kid. Scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, because again, I'm afraid of heights, but you know, it's hey, it's a ride, and my brother's going on, I gotta go on it too. And uh, I can remember, you know, just like Magic Kingdom, getting on the on the elevator, the red elevator, and going up there and getting in one of the one of the rocket ships, and you know, and off you go. Um, it was an exciting uh, it was an exciting ride, and I was really bummed, and I know a lot of people were really bummed when they took them off of that area. And, uh, you know, moved him to the front of, of Tomorrowland, which now, you know, it's, it, is, it is sort of closed off. It has done two things. It's closed off the entry and exit way into Tomorrowland, really bottlenecked it. And two, you lose one of my favorite shots of Tomorrowland that you see in a lot of old magazines and pictures and whatnot or is, you know, seeing a bunch of like very green bushes and, and sort of lawnish area and seeing the people mover track up above and and then seeing all the way into Tomorrowland and, you know, that's that's gone. And uh, I miss that. Were, were the lines always super long for those, for the uh, rocket jet? They were. And during the summer, it's one of the reasons why I only rode it a couple of times. My dad specifically was like, no, it's like 90 degrees out. I am not waiting in that line just for that little ride. You know, it's outside. It's they're slow and long and yeah forget it all right so uh i guess uh, what you got next we i think we've had this discussion before neither of us are really big on parades or shows in general we want to kind of do the rides we don't want to sit around and wait to watch a parade for very long we we got stuff to do we yep. got food to eat we got lots of rides to ride um, but one of the parades that I really enjoyed that is no more is Spectro Magic. And that was in Magic Kingdom. It ran for about 10 years from 91 to 2001. And that's when the Main Street Electrical Parade came back. And unfortunately, I'm not a fan of the Main Street Electrical Parade. I know. Blasphemy. It is. So. You guys stole it from us. And uh, I was a huge fan of that parade. That's the only you parade. Are? It's one okay. of the only parades I like. I love the idea of a nighttime parade with lights, but I don't love the musical score from Main Street Electrical Parade. <laughs> <laughs> That's what really bothered me. I would get that in my head. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I that do, like yes. bar- that baroque music that was just woo. <laughs> It is rough, too man. Much, too much twang. Yeah. Um, but Spectral Magic has that awesome on this magic night. I mean, it's, you know, fantasy type, excellent Disney-fied musical score. On this magic night, a million stars will play beside us, cast a spell and I know that one of the reasons I love it is the nostalgia portion of it. This is one of the first parades I remember enjoying and wanting to stay and camp out and see and, you know, purchasing some really cheap glow toy, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. um, 
and waving it. I think that was the first time I ever owned like a fiber optic toy. <laughs> and I remember begging my parents for that and and them saying, you're, you know, you're going to use it one night. You're not even going to like it. I was like, no, I'm going to love it. I promise. And I remember I had that stupid fiber optic wand for like seven years. I loved that <laughs> stupid thing. I was like, I know. <laughs> and they got their money's worth out of that one. Yeah. But uh, Spectro Magic, I really enjoyed that parade in general. Um, it didn't. It didn't happen every night. That was another thing. It was like uh, you had to be in Magic Kingdom on the special nights that they were showing Spectral Magic. I and, know that. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for when Walt Disney World finally announces that another nighttime parade is coming. I don't think they're going to make that announcement anytime soon, but I really want them to because <laughs> I love a nighttime parade. I don't like anything else, any other parades, but I love a nighttime parade. All right, so my last one here. Uh, my last one here is, uh, I, I think, is a, is a common one. Um, it has what I'd like to call a sister attraction in Magic Kingdom, which is known as the TTA, and this is the Disneyland uh, Wedway People Mover. So, love, love, love. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that was like the first ride we rode when we got to Tomorrowland uh, in Magic Kingdom's last trip. One of the first rides was TTA. I love that ride. The kids love that ride. My wife loves that ride. And uh, whenever we go to Disneyland... I always miss the people mover. They don't know the people mover. My wife has never been on the people mover. My kids weren't born when it was still around. And, uh, you know, it was just an awesome attraction. It was uh, one of those, again, like the Skyway, like I mentioned earlier, one of those attractions that I would get on with my brother and we would just want to chill. It wasn't, you know, exciting. It wasn't super amazing, you know, but it's a lot like the TTA in Magic Kingdom where you get on and you're going to see some cool stuff and it's a great way to rest your feet just chill out and uh, that's what we would do we would we would get on he'd take one side i'd take the other we'd put our feet up on the opposite benches and we would just kick back sometimes we'd just close our eyes and try to guess where we were on the ride just feel the wind going through through the the cabin there you know across our faces you know the tron room oh my god i was a huge fan of tron as a kid and going through the tron room with the giant they had a tron room they had a tron room where it would like you know you'd have the tron voiceover all of a sudden happen on the walls they would project um you know the giant recognizer ships flying around and they had all the tron sounds and they tried to make it feel like you what transported into tron and it was it was cool that was the coolest part of the ride for me um you know, and then that is bomb. Going, going through Space Mountain and, you know, going over the the Star Trader sh uh, shop and looking down, which was kind of cool. And then, you know, just kind of traveling over through Tomorrowland on top, you know, over Autopia and through the trees. And, you know, if you were lucky, maybe you get passed by the monorail. And uh, it was just a very, very... <sighs> I want to say, yeah, it was really nostalgic, but it was just a cool ride. I mean, this nostalgia aside, I think even today, if I didn't have an attachment to it from my childhood, I would still love it because it's my kind of ride. It's just a chill kind of ride and see some cool stuff. So that, that's my last one. That was the big one for me is the People Mover. If there was one ride I could absolutely put back in Disneyland for, for a night for me to ride over and over again, it would be that. Um, I mean, I, I love the People Mover in Magic Kingdom. I just, I can't imagine how cool it would have been in Disneyland. I still think it's so awesome at Magic Kingdom to go through Space Mountain. I do miss um, the the previous narration where <laughs> he would say, now approaching Space Mountain. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> I love that dude. That, um, 
there was like a chime and then a guy that had that very monotonous tone when he would talk about where you were approaching and leaving. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner nonstop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round trip Super Skyway tour. And uh, I use that chime as my text tone a lot. It's one of my faves. <laughs> That's awesome. When you said that, though, it reminded me of like the Disneyland train when you come up on a station. Now approaching uh, New Orleans Square. Oh, what? Yep. I love, love, love it. <laughs> uh, Awesome. Um, all right. Last one for me. Bring it on. This is a whole blame park. <laughs> and uh, and it would be river country. We I discussed this on our very first episode that it was one of my fondest memories of Walt Disney World was visiting river country. And river country was a water park that sat on the shores of Bay Lake near Magic Kingdom, and it was it was supposed to be like a, a swimming hole because it was connected to the Fort Wilderness Resort. And there was a freshwater pool area with big slides. Then there were really cool raft water slides that would fall into an area of Bay Lake that was, it was roped off and the, the water level was higher in hopes that none of the actual Bay Lake stuff would get in <laughs> there. They did start having problems, and that was one of the issues with the closure. But the main reason why it closed, I think, is because the two new water parks that had opened, Typhoon Lagoon and, and Blizzard Beach, had you know tons of parking and incredible new slides and big wave pools and River Country just wasn't getting the same amount of traffic that they had before. So when they closed it in November to do the standard yearly refurbishment, they just said, meh, I don't think we're going to open again this season. <laughs> and uh, they they probably would have had to do some, some upfits, some retrofits, some different filtration things that had to be done to make it uh, more sanitary, I guess. And they just didn't think the demand was there, so they just didn't reopen it. And what's so weird is it was never demolished. It's just been sitting there left to deteriorate. Oh, wow. So they look, they watch for trespassers there all the time because <laughs> these big pools and slides and um, all of these, you know, faux rock formations are just sitting there with. It, and it just looks like some weird scene from Predator or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, just it's one of my one of my favorite things to Google and do like deep deep dive on Google are like abandoned buildings and parks and things like that. Do you ever do that? Do you I ever have, deep dive? Like, yeah, like the malls, abandoned malls. Oh yes, it's like I don't know. For some reason, that stuff fascinates me. Sure. So I love looking at pictures of river country because it seems like you know i am legend type thing where where it looks like there are, you know zombies are coming out in any moment in river country <laughs> definitely the zombie apocalypse is happening and there's got to be like one guy that's still fighting them off that's in river country i just know it but um <laughs> that <laughs> that park was so cool um you know, if it existed now, how awesome would it be to be staying at Boulder Ridge or Copper Creek, Wilderness Lodge, Fort Wilderness, any of those 
resorts have a, a direct path to that water park. You just take your family over there, chill out for the afternoon, then go back to your resort and then head out to the parks again. I mean, it was so convenient. I loved the theming. I'm, I'm bummed that it's just sitting there deteriorating. I wish they would either do something with it or demolish it <laughs> because it's creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> you should send a letter. Send a letter in. <laughs> Uh, uh, if zombies come, it's y'all's fault, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, that was that was a pretty good list. Um, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, I, I got a couple actually. Um, real quick, uh, you know, um, one was the Disneyland Circarama. So they had like the 360 degree view. Uh, uh, movies and the one I remember was was on Hawaii and I remember my dad used to love it and we all used to like poo poo it and we don't want to do this we don't want to do this but we'd all give in so he could have the one attraction that he could he could do and, and, and enjoy himself and uh, but you know I think back on it and I think gosh you know as a kid I didn't really care for it but I think now you know especially after seeing things like you know Impressions to France and the, the, uh, the Canada movie and all of those kind of movies in Epcot World Showcase. I have a new appreciation for those kind of films, and uh, the Disneyland Circuit Rana was cool. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it is it didn't have seats. You'd have to stand up, and as a kid, that stunk. <laughs> I know. Oh, the lean rails, they're just, I still, um, they're killer, but I love the whole technology. I love Circle Vision. I wish we had rotating recliners in those situations. <laughs> <laughs> See, that'd be cool. I, I would love that. Um, yeah, sign me up for that. But uh, but yeah, that was that was one that came to mind. And the last one, real quick, that came to mind is the Tahitian Terrace, which was in Adventureland, which uh, later became Aladdin's Oasis, and is now, uh, I believe, it's just a, they have a meet and greet back there. Last time I checked, um, it's kind of been open and closed. But uh, you know, my parents, that was like their go-to meal place. That and the Blue Bayou when we went on trips, and we'd watch the, you know, the Tahitian shows and the guys with fire and the dancers, and you know, it felt like you were. It was so it, you kind of walk in and you go back into this area restaurant area that's really sort of hidden from the rest of the park and you feel like you're in a whole new different place and you feel like maybe you are in Hawaii and there is a luau happening. And uh, I, I just remember how, how wonderful of an experience it was. I can remember, you know, my older brother going up on stage and dancing with coconuts on his chest. And uh, um, yeah, so yeah, funny. he was, he was someone they brought up and, you know, it was just, it was again, a fun, a fun uh, dinner show experience um, that what did they serve? Know, was it like luau food? Like it was pork? like luau food. I remember eating pork and they had fish and and and, and you know beef things like that. But yeah, it was it was very luau ish. Um, they basically took you to Tahiti for for an evening while you ate. It was great. Love it. That is so cool. Yeah. All right. Here are my honorable mentions. Going to breeze through them. I got to say, I'm a little bit sad that um, Universe of Energy Ellen's Energy Adventure is closing. I know it's long. I know it's cheesy. I but I still love it. <laughs> I uh, I can't help it. I love Bill Nye. I love Ellen. Uh, there that is such a quotable attraction. <laughs> there are so many things that I will never forget about that. Um, Maelstrom, which was uh, the yeah. boat ride through the Norway Pavilion prior to the upgrade to Frozen Ever After. Frozen Ever After is better, hands down. Agreed. But Maelstrom was very special and another quotable attraction. You are not the first to pass this way, <laughs> nor shall you be the last. Like it was so and it was a cozy attraction. I love the little village at the end. I wanted to nap in there at the end. <laughs> um 
let's see, Reflections of China. That is also closing very soon, which is the Circle Vision film in the China Pavilion. Love the music in that. Love it. I listen to it all the time. And I'm sure the new version's going to be amazing. I'm sure they'll show awesome shots of Shanghai Disneyland in the new film, which I'm so pumped about. But, oh, I love the music of Reflections of China. And I'd say most people don't even like it and are freaking bored by it, but I love it. <laughs> now, you know, I'm with you on that one. I listened to the soundtrack at work while I'm writing code, and uh, I was really bummed that I could, didn't get a chance to see it again. My family kind of fought me on it. They're not, like I said, big fans of those types of things and so we skipped it and now it's going away and I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> I know. I love edutainment type attractions like yeah. Hall of Presidents, American Adventure, Reflection China. I love any ones where I'm kind of getting a little bit of an educational slash history lesson. Like <laughs> I took a dumb BuzzFeed quiz the other day of like history questions and historical figures. I'd say, you know, 80% of my knowledge comes from Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like doing going to any of these attractions at Walt Disney World, like that's that's how I know who Frederick Douglass is. Let's be honest. That's funny. <laughs> like, hey. From the American Adventure. <laughs> There's something to say about that, though. I mean, that's that's good. You know, get your kids into that. It's uh, they kind of make the education fun. Okay, last two. Legend of the Lion King. This sucker. It was only open for like five or six years. It is where Mickey's Magic is now in Magic Kingdom. Okay. And it was a Lion King themed show with what they called humanimals, which were giant puppet like figures. Like Mufasa was six feet tall. That's how big these giant puppets were. And it was just sort of a mini recounting of the Lion King. And I love the music in that too. There's a running theme here. I just love the music at all these attractions. But um, yeah, the music of The Lion King, I love. And I just, I think that's one of my favorite Disney films ever. So uh, I remember uh, during the pre-show, sitting on my dad's shoulders, just being so pumped about it and knowing that I was going to cry. Yeah. And I did cry in it and I loved it so much. So I do miss that one. Oh, that's a good story. And then finally... Studio Backlot Tour in, mm. yeah, in MGM slash Disney's Hollywood Studios. That one, especially in the early days when it was a working animation slash film studio, was so magical to me. Because, I mean, still to me, movie making is magical. And seeing any sort of behind the scenes areas, the props, the costuming, all of that to me just blew my mind. So I, I'm sad that that whole story is gone from that park. And, and that was one of the last, well, that one and the great movie ride, that's kind of like the last pieces of that, that is basically telling us this is not what we're about anymore. We're reinventing ourselves. Um, and so I definitely miss, miss those. It's a good point. They are reinventing themselves. And, you know, there are a lot of attractions that people have been writing for decades now that, you know, they're going to be gone. And it's, it, it is sad. But, you know, we, we hope that the, the new ones, especially those of us with kids, the new ones become their attachments, right? Their, their nostalgia. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I agree. You know, I think they're, they are, yeah, I mean, they're concentrating on everything that sells via movies right now. Uh, you know, I, I do hope, 
or hold out hope that you know in the future they do have original things like you know for example the the, the Mickey ride that's going to uh, replace the Great Movie ride. You know that's you know it's Mickey, sure, but you know that's it's not Avengers, it's not Marvel, it's not Toy Story, it's something old and classic and you know hopefully with a new twist and a new idea so uh i don't know it's exciting exciting times to be a fan of the disney parks i think yeah that's an excellent point i mean how long have we been waiting for a mickey attraction i mean mickey's philharmagic isn't even about mickey i mean yeah. it's donald <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think he's had one that's solely you know where he's the, the sort of the star no it's been it's been a minute so i'm really excited especially hearing Kevin Rafferty talk about that and about how it's sort of this like two and a half D experience where you feel like you are in a two D cartoon, uh, but he's not really giving many details, which makes me even more excited about it. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to hear more. Yeah, you know they're trying to break new ground, which is exciting. To all the Epcot purists, I know I didn't name any of those attractions: <laughs> um, World of Motion, Wonders of Life Pavilion, Horizons. I understand why a lot of people love those and want them to come back, but um, they don't need to be there anymore. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought those up. I mean, I've never ridden those rides. I've seen, you know, videos and pictures of them, but I have no attachment to them whatsoever. And so yeah, I, I kind of agree to you. I agree with you on that respect. Um, yeah. And then I also didn't name any of the attractions that have a sister slash twin in Disneyland because... I miss them, but I can still experience them in Disneyland, like, you know, Mr. Toad and 20,000 Leagues, except it's the Nemo subs. Yeah. Uh, and then Mickey's Toontown, Snow White Scary Adventures. When when I found out that Disneyland had those directions, which I didn't know that until about 10 years ago, I, like, wanted to cry. I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, are you telling me I can go and ride Mr. Toad again? I thought that it was gone forever. And uh, I was so excited. And you will be there soon, and I want a selfie on one of the cars with a big smile. You got it. Awesome. Dunzo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us on this episode of Mouse Geek Radio. You can connect with us by visiting mousegeekradio.com or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Mouse Geek Radio. Also, if you enjoyed this show, please don't forget to click that subscribe button to be notified when we post a new show. And if you'd leave us a review and rating on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to contact either of us personally, you can find Scott on Twitter at stbarrett, and you can find me on Twitter at Mallory O'Brien. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.